Good afternoon. Welcome to the panel. RNZ uh, National, George Stiliano and Simon Wilson here. Now, Argentina won the FIFA World Cup after beating defending champions France 4-2 on penalties following a dramatic three-all draw after extra time in Doha. Here's a little snippet of the climactic moment. Montiel. And Lionel Messi was named player of the tournament while France's Kylian Mbappe won the golden boot with eight goals to Messi's seven. A lot has been written about witnessing football at this level of skill. Legendary player Wayne Rooney called Messi the greatest of all time, saying, close up, you just can't get near him. He's always in control. So what of the World Cup overall? With us is a football coach, Andrew Clay. He sat down and watched the whole thing. We thought we'd get him on. Andrew, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you, my friend? Now, the final. Was this the best final? You're a coach. Did this just inspire you? It, well, it, it did. And hopefully it's the kind of game that inspired lots of youngsters around yeah. the world, of course, in this country as well. I remember back to... 1982, that's when I fully fell in love with the game of football after a tremendous World Cup. And uh, this final, after a very good, very, very entertaining tournament, this this final was, if there's, if there's been a better final, I, I can't think of one. You can make an argument for a couple, but there's been none better than this one. Wow. Interesting, eh, Wayne Rooney, uh, calling Messi uh, the greatest of all time. Uh, considering he played alongside Christian Ronaldo, he's saying it takes so much to deal with him, it's tiring. Yeah, it is, but you also might have to factor in that Wayne's having a quiet dig at Ronaldo there, who's um, had a quiet <laughs> dig at him in, in recent weeks and months about about not playing at his level for as long as he did and stuff like that. But having said that, I, I mean, there's, he's always been in a conversation as the greatest of all time. There have been things people said he hasn't got a World Cup to his name. Now he does. Um, you know, you still have to go a long way. People forget about Pelé won three World Cups and you watch footage of him and he was doing all these things uh, you know, these guys were doing as well. But he's certainly uh-huh. in the conversation for one of the greatest of all time. But assist in the uh, semi-final against Croatia for the third goal was just out of this world, out of nothing. He, he created that. And again, he, today he was superb, and Argentina was superb. For the first half, they should have been out of sight. They should have been three or four up. Uh, I know you couldn't see France getting back into it. And then the beauty of football, two goals in two minutes, yep. and, the, and the game's back on again. Wallace says someone, I bawled my eyes out when Argentina won. Uh, what, if anything, have you uh, followed both of you? Georgia, you first. I lost interest when Harry Kane stuffed that penalty up with, with France. <laughs> I, it was all over for me then. I just sort of thought, you've got one job, my friend. Um, so I didn't watch it, but I, um, my two stepsons, one of them, who we, we struggle to get out of bed most mornings, he was up at 4am <laughs> with two of his friends watching it. And it sounds like it was a great game, so I have to watch, watch the highlights. But obviously, it's been there's been a fair bit of controversy around this World Cup, but I think yeah. that for the fans and the, and the players, it's a obviously still an incredible um, thing to to witness and obviously that bears true when you see footage of of the final and it looks like an incredible event all round. Stay there Andrew. Simon it's true isn't it Uh, in in terms of inspiration because I too can recall the 82 World Cup and being quite inspired by that spectacle. 
Oh, I, I can as well. And, and actually, I, I got up at 4 a.m. this morning. I had been uh, watching quite a bit of this World Cup, um, and it was an extraordinary thing to, to be mm. up and to see a game that good. And to see a game that good as, as, as a final. You know, we know from, from rugby and lots of sports that the final is often not the best game of a tournament. Mm. Uh, very rarely is a, is a great game because the teams are so cautious. Uh, but this was thrilling. Um, from the get-go uh, and and you know one of the things that I think is just fabulous about football is that you don't get when you just see the highlights on the news is that it is really hard to score a goal mm. much harder than you think it's going to be um, and so you watch these stars who are paid so much money because they can score goals and they miss and miss and miss and miss and you think how did you miss all those but um, you know they are the geniuses at it and it is so hard for them so it's It's, so exciting it's really hard to score a goal in football says Simon is that right Andrew? (laughs) well this is the highest uh, scoring World Cup in history by by one goal Uh, but pretty consistently goals are about two two and two thirds a goal per game at this level um, so yeah, it, it is hard. It, it is hard to score uh, because you got the you know the best defenders in the world as well, the best goalkeepers in the world, and um, you know if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks for that, Andrew. Thanks for the heads up. Kia ora, thanks for your time. That's football coach Andrew Clayton. Uh, Thirteen pass for the panel. Consumer confidence falls to the lowest point on record. The Westpac McDermott Miller Consumer Confidence Survey dropped by. 12 points to 75.6, the lowest since 88 when David Longy was Prime Minister. There has been a sharp rise in consumer prices and the squeeze continues into next year. Prepare now for a challenging 2023, said Nick Tuffley, ASB Chief Economist today. Meanwhile, shoppers spent almost $814 million in the week ending December 10, excluding hospitality. Now, this was up 2.3% when compared to spending in the same week last year when compared to the same week in 2019 spending was up over 14% so quite a few numbers in there with us is Chris Wilkinson the Managing Director of the First Retail Group Kia ora Chris Kia ora Wallace, how are you? I'm well, I'm just trying to work out these numbers here so yep. spending year on year is up is this what you expected? Well, look, it is because for every one of us, we're noticing those increases in our daily lives, and, and this is really a reflection of that. Um, it, it's something that's inescapable, and I think in, in that uh, commentary that Westpac made this morning, everyone is feeling this. What did well? What are people buying? Well, what's not going well are appliances and home improvement. Those those sectors have uh. um, dropped off. What is going well is uh, is apparel um, and and those items that make people feel good now. What's excluded in the spending data that you've got in front of you is hospitality. And if anyone's been in a cafe or a restaurant in the last couple of weeks, you'll notice just how busy they've been. A lot of spending's heading in that direction as well. I find this quite interesting. So what if you're buying apparel and footwear so for, the, for the first time in about two years? I actually last week, Georgie, decided to buy myself uh, an affordable pair of trousers because I really needed to. Uh, and some You've been foot- buying unaffordable pairs, <laughs> <laughs> 
that's your problem, Willis. That's in the distant day, Simon. Not anymore. <laughs> a very affordable pair of trousers and a very affordable pair of sneakers. So I'm part of this. Georgie, what do you make of this? Well, obviously people weren't listening to uh, Adrian Orr when he said to not spend up on uh, on Christmas yeah. presents. But I wonder, Chris, this might be overly simplistic and, and I'm reading into um, nothingness, but can we read any sort of equity gap in the regions where there had been a fall versus the ones that had seen an increase? Because some of those regions we do typically associate with having uh, more uh, poverty and deprivation in them, in, in certain pockets of them, or is that something we can't really read from, from this? And I'm just making it all up. Yeah, look, I don't think there's anything that's shining through just at the moment. Uh, really, people are buying what they need. We think there is uh, more focus on people buying less but better. That's a trend that's coming through. So people are quite aware of uh, longevity. People are getting more and more oh, yes. aware of uh, sustainability. This is, these are messages that are coming through from uh, across the retail sector. Oh, that's great. Si- Simon? Well, I'm, I'm profoundly confused by all this. I mean, I'm, you know, at, at one level, we all understand what the, the numbers are supposed to mean. But at another level, we're told we're entering a recession and for our own good, we have to uh, ruin our Christmases. Um, we're told by banks um, that this is a really tough time we're entering and banks themselves, Westpac, 12% profit um, announced last month. That's over a billion dollars in profit in this country. Um, things are, it seems to me that this is this is not in whack at all, that, that we have an economy that for the good of the economy, uh, the people the economy serves uh, have to um, basically bear the brunt of the hardship. Um, and uh, as George has said, that, you know, particularly in regions that are depressed and I don't think we're looking at this right somehow. What do you think of that, Chris? Look, I, I think there's a high degree of escapism going on at the moment, guys. The mm. People are, people are uh, buying things to make themselves feel good now, not tomorrow. You know, that shift in um, uh, that, that feeling of wealth has disappeared from property, so people are, uh, are not out buying those appliances. They're not out redoing their homes and spending on landscaping. It's going into things that are, that are looking after themselves now and their family and friends. Very good, Chris. Thank you. Chris Wilkinson there, the Managing Director of the First Retail Group. So that story there, our spending is up 2.3% when compared to spending in the same week last year. Interesting. Anyway, 18 past for the panel. Simon Wilson is with me today, also George Estiliano. Now, is 2023 the year you get to cycle or walk across the Auckland Harbour Bridge? Well, yes and no. The Walk at Wheeler program will be held as three, three, three free events uh, next year, March. And it'll enable people of all ages and abilities to enjoy travelling around the city on foot, bikes, scooters, etc. 60,000 Aucklanders to take part, apparently, and there are 20,000 free tickets available per day. But it hasn't necessarily been welcomed by all cycling advocates. The saga of getting access to bike across this bridge is years old. With us is a Get Across spokesperson, Bevan Woodward. Hey, Bevan. So, how are you, Bevan? Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, I can hear you well, yes. It's going to cost one, almost $1 million for these three rides. I guess I've got to ask you, is it worth it? Uh, that's a good question, and I think a lot of people will say it's not. Um, yeah, we struggle with that personally. We think there are much cheaper ways of doing that, including the idea of actually doing what the Minister of Transport originally requested, and that is to hold a trial, which is quite different to these three events that uh, Waka Kotahi are um, putting forward. I suppose one could paint it as testing the water, you know, without annoying the good people of Northcote by opening the floodgates. Uh, yes, you're right. Um, but I don't think it's about annoying the good people of Northcote. The good people of Northcote, many, most, would love to be able to be able to walk and cycle across their bridge. Let's go to Simon on this. He's uh, talked about this uh, at length. Simon, is it worth it, Simon Wilson? Uh, almost a million dollars for three events. Look, you, the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering why my brain isn't exploding, frankly. <laughs> this, is, this is an extraordinary thing. Waka Kotahi has told us that this is an exercise they're going to spend a million bucks on that will provide, quote, real transport choice. That is absolute nonsense. This is a an overpriced exercise in diverting attention away from the idea that the bridge might be able to cope uh, with being used by commuters and other users uh, on a more regular basis. The, the request has been for a trial to see if that is possible. Now, this would have been the perfect time to do it over the summer uh, uh, period, um, and they have done everything in their power to divert us away from that, with the, and, and have finally come up with this idea of this kind of you know gala event of, uh, where people can just have a good time on the bridge. People will have a good time on the bridge doing that, of course they will, uh, but it is not. Uh, it, it's a distraction from from a much bigger issue. You know, it's it's argued that if if there was a lane on the bridge that was used for cycling and walking, that would clog up the traffic. Uh, and the uh, and the, um, the evidence for it is given that when that actually does happen because there's been a crash or something, traffic does clog up. If you manage the traffic on the bridge because you've got good public transport, because everybody knows that the bridge uh, is being, one of the lanes is being used, now, there is no evidence from anywhere in the world that that will lead to uh, more congestion. In fact, it's just the reverse. Um, if you decrease demand, you are likely to decrease um, the number of... Okay. Hey, Bevan, we'll... we'll, we'll, Okay, stay there, Bevan, we'll come back to you. Let's let's get Georgie's take on this. Well, obviously, Waka Kotahi have cited numerous safety concerns, so, Bevan, just interested in your your thoughts on whether are you buying that as an excuse, or are there things that they could do to to make it as safe as possible for for walkers and cyclists? Oh, hey, thanks, panellists. Um, you know, Simon's taking the words out of my mouth, and, and Georgie, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so safety. Um, what's ironic is that Waka Kotahi say, oh, we can't do a trial because of the danger. You know, cyclists will crash into one another. Yet the events where we hear there'll be 20,000 people um, each day using um, the two lanes mm. on the bridge 
um, are using the same two lanes that potentially could be used um, for people to walk and cycle. So we think it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a, an excuse for inaction. And if you go and look at uh, Grafton Gully and uh, look at the shared path that runs down there, it's it's a lot steeper than on the Harbour Bridge, uh, and and it, and it's narrower, um, and it works just fine. Um, so we think that's a red herring. Nonetheless, Bevan is going to go ahead. Twenty thousand free tickets available per day. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun for so many people. I totally, I totally agree, and that is a good thing about this. And it will get people out. Aucklanders need to get out there and experience crossing the Harbour Bridge. It is so special. I've done it a few times, and I know Simon's done it with us on slightly. Um, Less than legal um, marches over the bridge, but it's a great day out. Um, it's one of the best things you can do in Auckland. I encourage. What's you it like? What's it? What's it like? What's it actually like cycling across the Auckland Harbour Bridge? Is it windy? Is it? What does it feel like? Does it feel as normal, or what does it feel like? Oh, it's the feeling of freedom, and um, the gradient is quite gentle. And if you're on an e-bike, then there's no gradient and there's no wind. Um, and to be out, you know, in amongst the elements, um, is just great. The views are wonderful. We can really take it in. It's a special thing. Wow, I'll tell very you what, good. Bevan, Bevan, I didn't do it on the most recent occasion when, when people rode across the bridge, but I did do it in 2010 on a normal bike, not an e-bike, uh, and there were lots of kids and, and older people and all sorts of people uh, doing it then. Um, you know, you think it's going to be tough. It isn't tough. Um, sometimes the weather will make, mean it's really hard, um, but that's true of anything you do in Auckland. Um, it rains, you know, and then it doesn't rain, and of that. Um, it is, uh, you know, um, while it's up there, it's magnificent to be yeah. out in the elements. I mean, it's one of the great things about cycling and walking anyway, that you're in the elements, you're part of the world. Uh, to be able to do it up there is, it really is. Cycling great. across the Auckland Harbour Bridge. Eh? Hey, Bevan Woodward, Kyoto, thanks for your time this afternoon. Uh, now, meanwhile, regarding traffic, uh, I'm looking at the Northcote end of the motorway heading south over the bridge right now. The traffic is hardly moving. So, yes, indeed, do take care there. Now, to this, I wanted to bring this up because a listener brought this up. Well, Tim asked me to bring this up. When I brushed my teeth this morning, I was wondering what proportion of people leave the tap running whilst they do it and how much water would be saved if they didn't. It turns out that one in three leave the tap running and it uses over 15 litres of water. In a year, that's 9 billion to 18 billion litres of water down the plug for no reason. Uh, I agree with you, Tim. I think it's a disgrace. It's a shocker if you leave. In fact, so much so that I brought this issue up at the gym when some person left the tap running while they cleaned their teeth went to the toilet and came back and I turned the tap off and I he got into an argument with me extraordinary stuff my only argument at the gym what do you think about this Georgie that is horrific and good on you for turning the tap off no well, it was just weird it is weird and just so it just seems to be something missing from one's brain to just think that it's fine to have clean water going down the plug hole for no reason. I definitely turned the tap off. And one of the, probably one of the biggest challenges I've faced is being a mother of a toddler has been trying to get my son to do the same thing. He wants to have the tap on and endlessly put his brush under the under the tap. <laughs> I, no, turn the, turn the tap off. So it's a real bugbear. Um, my partner leaves the tap on. You're and kidding. It's, you know. He the, leaves the tap on. Well, he doesn't anymore. 
Let's. Yeah. He does not anymore, but he absolutely used to. And it'd be a daily scrap. Turn the tap off with three gritted teeth. I, I, I'm wondering, Simon Wilson, whether it's a less of an issue in Auckland, where you know you do get a water bill. You know what your monthly bill for water is. Well, if you remember three years ago, Wallace in Auckland, there was a major drought, and and turning the tap off while you're cleaning your teeth was one of the list of uh, things that we were all That's right. To. And people who weren't already doing it, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that Aucklanders en masse um, um, got that message, um, because I'm an optimist. Um, but, you know, this is one of those things where it's, it's actually an easy thing to do. There are lots of ways in which we have to change our behaviour for climate action reasons, all sorts of reasons. Um, and some of them are going to be hard, but this isn't a hard one. And if we if we make sure we do all the easy ones, uh, you know, we'll find that it's actually not so hard to do the more difficult ones a bit later too. Turning the tap off is just just straightforward. You, you, you know, once once you start doing it, it's it's just something you have in your life. Hey, Simon, I'm going to have to sort of say you might have to turn your head a bit because you're sounding really muffled and really far away. So uh, if there is a way that you can get a little bit of a clearer phone line there, maybe uh, putting that uh, speaker closer to the mouth, it might it might work there. Uh, but um, someone says, totally agree with Simon Wilson on that one there. When I was When I was taught to clean my teeth, that is what everyone did. And now, although I realise it's ridiculous, it is very hard to stop the habit. Um, Jan says, water when brushing, those of us that have lived through water restrictions will always uh, turn the tap off. Another one here, kitties teeth cleaning, clear plastic cup to dip their toothbrushes in mm. over and over. Uh, and Barney the Dinosaur has a great song about never letting the water run. <laughs> Right, I'm on it. Where's YouTube? There you go, George. Where's YouTube? Georgie the Bar- Georgie, sorry, Barney the Dinosaur at the rescue. Anyway, you are on the panel RNZ National. Thank you for your feedback this afternoon. By the way, it is time for, well, very shortly, the song Whisperer, where we give you the lyrics and we, no, we give you the lyrics and, sorry, we give you the lyrics and you give us the song. And the lyrics this afternoon is this. Tonight, I want to give it all. To you, what's the song? Text me two one zero 